Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. We are kind of sad to be with you guys right now, but excited for you guys. Sad about BYU sports right now. Unfortunately, we're going to have to talk about the BYU-UAB bowl game. <clears throat> yeah, that's not going to be great. Uh, but we do have some happy stuff. We got to, we get to talk about BYU basketball, and we get to talk about some other fun stuff as well. So what do you say? Let's get straight to it. Before we do, though, make sure you check out our Instagram and Twitter pages at Loyal2RoyalPod. On those pages, you'll find a lot of memes, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of interactive stuff. We're having a lot of fun with you guys. Let's keep it going. Let's keep building up this community. Make sure to share the episode, download, and rate, preferably five stars. And now let's actually get to it. Let's boo. Go Tigers. But that field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go over your death, right? Let's back this booler. Yeah! <laughs> let's go wild, let's man. Go, baby. Let's go. Alrighty, well, Justin, let's just get this over with, shall we? Shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Let's just do it. So, BYU, who was supposedly the number 13 team in the nation, came into the Independence Bowl in very rainy Shreveport, Louisiana. And lost by three to the third best team in Conference USA, the UAB Blazers. Yeah, not a good look. Uh, this do- this game was doomed from the start. It was doomed from the start. We wore Navy, one. It was raining, two. Navy and rain do not mix well together. Because what's When's the last time it was raining and we wore Navy? Uh, I think that would be the Boise State game. That would be the Boise State game. So it does not go well for us when it is raining we were wearing those dang navy helmets it looked like we were all mentally checked out it was absolutely pitiful we disgraced our season which is yeah go us and uh, <laughs> disgraced our bowl prospects for next year so um yeah it was, yep. it was a struggle it was really bad i one word kept coming back to my mind as i watched it pathetic pathetic absolutely pathetic it completely looked like we didn't want to be there like, we were completely checked out, like you said. And as for our historic season, yeah, you can flush that down the toilet. Yeah, um, seriously. It was just really bad. I mean, okay, let's start with the bright spot. And okay, I say yeah, that let's do it. Singular, right? Uh-huh. Singular yeah, bright spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Algier. He is officially the single-season rushing yards record holder in BYU history. Then that's... Kind of crazy. So, yeah, clap it up for him. Tyler Algier for that. We love you. He also is one touchdown behind Luke Staley's single-season rushing touchdowns record at with 23. And the funny thing is, Luke Staley has 24. Tyler has 23. Probably should have been 24. We'll get into that later. But everybody else has, like, 13, 12, 10. <laughs> so it's like Luke Staley <laughs> big, and Tyler Algier. Big gap right there. <laughs> yes. Yes. So shout out to him. Uh, he may be coming back. We have yet to hear. So maybe, yeah. Hope and pray. We've been hearing some whisperings that are optimistic. Mm-hmm. 
that's what we'll leave it at. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> For now. Uh, yeah, th that was the one bright spot in this game. This game was really sad because, you know, we were all clamoring. We deserve a better bowl. We deserve to be playing a Power 5 opponent. We deserve to play in the New Year 6 Bowl. We deserve to be playing in the playoffs, you know. We deserve the Pac-12 championship game. What do we do? Like Jared said, lose to the third best team in Conference <laughs> USA in the Independence Bowl. So all that clamoring, and for what? We didn't even go and blow out the team like we did last year. We blew right. out UCF. That was good. Okay, yeah, we finished our season off strong. All our P5 wins just to lose to Conference USA. Yeah, holy just terribleness. I like this. Re it reminds me of Utah. Remember when they were like ranked number four in the country and then got blown out by Oregon? And they were like, oh, we should have been in this. We should have done that. And then they lost by 31 to Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Yep. That was essentially us, except we didn't lose by 30. We lost by three, but we might as well have. I mean, it was UAB. I, 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 there's nothing else to say. <laughs> There absolutely is nothing else to say. I, I was watching the game on my flight from Salt Lake to Texas. I'm in Texas visiting my wife's family for the holidays. And about half the plane was watching the game. And it was just a collective. Everyone was sighing. Everyone was just <laughs> like, like head in their hands, shaking their heads, turning it <laughs> off, doing whatever, praying for an announcement to come to interrupt the game. Because, oh, oh my goodness, never in my <laughs> life have I ever, like, seriously said, oh, my goodness, I, I can't tolerate this. I The plane just needs to fall out of the sky. <laughs> never in my life have I thought that so much. But I'm glad the plane didn't fall out of the sky. Made it here safely. Can't can't say the same for the Cougs win. Uh, Cougs win prospects did not land yes. safely. No, they didn't land at all. <laughs> they went up and never came down. And it's just pitiful now i have to get a couple things off my chest do it um this is a safe first off here. i would like to shout out samson nakua i know he's getting a lot of crap for that quote-unquote fumble which wasn't a catch i absolutely hate that rule if and as ohio state fans like my family we will always harken back to the 2019 fiesta bowl when the same thing happened when a clemson guy caught it took four steps like trying to take it in, you know, fumbled the ball, how State returned it, and they called it a an incomplete pass. And so you're looking for some consistency in this one. Samson Nakua catches it, turns, doesn't even take four steps. He takes like half a step, and the ball slips out of his hands and onto the ground. And what do they call it? They call it a catch this time and a fumble. It's ridiculous. They really need to hash that rule out because it's terrible. There was, there's, there's no way that was a catch. He didn't make a move common to the game. Absolutely. Multiple rules analysts, including one prominent NFL analyst, came out and said, in 0% of scenarios, is that a catch? Right. He did, not have, he did not maintain possession. He did not make a move common to the game. He tried to tuck it in. The ball just slipped right off his rainy arm. That was in no way a catch. No Absolutely way. Absolutely ridiculous officiating. Yeah, that was horrible. I will say, though, that we shouldn't have been in that position, right? That's correct. Like, we, we shouldn't have been in the position where we needed a certain call to go our way because this is BYU, and we know that the calls never go our way. Mm -hmm. Tuiaki needs to go, bro. He yep. needs out. We, I cannot. And, I, okay, I know we're down, like, a couple starters, a lot of starters, right? Like, we're down a couple defensive backs. We're playing some no-names in there. But you cannot continue to do something 
and expect it to just suddenly work. If it's not working, it's not working. Don't just keep doing it over and over and over again. The zone killed us this game. Yeah, I'm tired of hearing about that bullcrap of, you know, we've done the analytics and not a lot of teams in college can complete a full-length drive down the field. (laughs) What did we see the entire year? Teams taking 12-minute drives down the field. That's what we saw. We saw USF do it. We saw, you know, we just Utah State did it. Yeah, Utah State did it. We just saw it happen in the Independence Bowl. All these teams did it. UAB did it the entire game. We're just giving up. Third and 14, automatic conversion for the other team. First down, what are they getting? Five, six yards because we only have three linemen down that are going against five down offensive linemen for a run play. And it is absolutely ridiculous. I cannot wrap my mind around it. No, it gets to the point where, Tuiaki, the ball that you're playing absolutely depends on us making zero turnovers per game. It's like retro bowl. You turn it over once, (laughs) you're done. You're over. The other team is winning. No, it's completely true. And I, it just, it forces you, I don't know. I don't there's so much to say about it, but it's just disgusting. We don't have the defensive linemen to get pressure with three. And in order to drop eight, you need to get pressure with three, right? Because mm-hmm. any sort of quarterback that's mildly competent can just sit back and pick you apart. And if you put three down linemen and two linebackers in the box, it's guaranteed five or six yards for the running back. Yeah. Yeah. But I, and, you, I could dink and dunk middle of the field routes against Tuiaki's defense. Right? And even if you couldn't throw the ball, you could just sit back there until the linebackers are gone and then scramble for eight yards. Like, <laughs> Exactly. It's bad. And especially that fourth and seven play call where they scored a touchdown late to go ahead. Mm-hmm. And I know people are going to be like, what was Malik Moore doing? What was D'Angelo doing? It was a zone coverage. With, like, it was a zone with two shell coverage. You got two safeties in the end zone, right? There's no way that a safety playing in the middle of the field is going to get to a corner route if you're playing the kind of soft zone coverage. It's just, it's not possible. You have to think. You are completely right. That zone coverage was definitely keeping everything beneath them in context of like the first down marker. Right. They were, they were crowding everything in like within that seven yards. So all it took was one person slipping out. And of course they're not going to see that. Of course, that ball's going to go right over the top of the zone. And that's exactly, exactly. what happened. Exactly. And I, I'm sorry. We played the USC game. We played man coverage. And what happened on fourth and six when USC needed it? We stopped them. And then what happens when you play zone coverage against UAB when fourth and seven? They scored a touchdown. That's all I'm going to say. Absolutely disgusting. Uh, Tuiaki wasn't the only coordinator that uh, kind of had an interesting game. What are you thinking about A-Rod right now? Okay, I... Do not like A-Rod, and this is why, okay? It's slippery, it's rainy, it's pounding rain, everything is misty and wet, and what happens in the first three drives? Tyler Algier gets the ball, like, three times. Mm-hmm. I, excuse me? And then throughout the game, I'm like, okay, hopefully he'll figure out, look, Tyler Algier's getting nine yards a pop. Let's give it to Tyler Algier. He just scored a 65-yard touchdown run. No! Tyler Algier had 27 carries. For like 200 yards, decent carry load, but the fact that nobody else got a carry, like Lopini Katoa, Hinkley Ropati, Miles Davis had one carry. Um, 
McGoatney got zero carries. Why is Tyler Algier the only person you're running the ball with? I don't know. If it's raining that hard, that hard, like it wasn't the beginning of the game. The rain lightened up towards the end of the game. Okay, right, I right. start throwing the ball a little more then because you can't rely solely on the run. But in the beginning when it's raining that hard, you just cycle your running backs. Cycle your running backs. Give them two carries each. Boom, 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 boom. And have them keep going. That's how you move the ball down the field. And we could have done that. We were running the ball all over them the whole freaking night. But Yeah. No, it, you're exactly right. Even if you don't want to cycle your running backs every other play, give Tyler five carries and then put in somebody for two, put in another guy for two, and then go back to Tyler. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why we shouldn't have run the ball all over these guys. They came in with this great run defense. Tyler Algier proved it that that was absolutely mis- misguided, right? He was yep. getting 10 yards a carry. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, okay, our guys aren't, are, you know, Ropati, McGoatney, and all these other guys. They're not Tyler Algier. But I guarantee you they can get four or five yards per carry. It blows my mind. Man. I, I don't, honestly, A-Rod... I've been calling for A-Rod's head the entire year, more than Tuiaki. Yeah. I was the one person in the stands saying, fire A-Rod. And everyone was like, don't you mean Tuiaki? And I was like, no, I mean nope. A-Rod. Our <laughs> offense looked completely stagnant the entire year. They looked completely stagnant in this UAB game. We should have been moving the ball like none other. We were the 13th ranked team in the nation. And you're telling me we can't move the ball or we can't move the ball against a mid-tier conference USA team? We should be yeah. seeing the ball left and right. Our running back should be going for 40 yards of pop. It should be – we should be dominating these guys physically on the offensive line. Our running backs, which Tyler Algier did dominate their linebacker. But Tyler Algier was dominant. I can't complain about yeah. that. Baylor Romney kind of struggled. He hadn't played in a while. It was raining. Okay, cool. That's that's fine by me, you know. What in the world are we doing with these weird plays that we're running – consistently running outside zones when that's not the strength of our offense consistently running these weird like trick plays consistently running a jet sweep even though every time we ran it (laughs) we got tackled seven yards in the backfield but we kept running it and we kept faking it like we were gonna run it nobody's gonna respect the fake if it's not having success i don't yeah i i and the fact that we were running the sweeps at all, right? It just shows you that A-Rod was scared out of his mind of UAB's front seven. Mm-hmm. There was no mentality that, hey, we are the bigger program. We have the better dudes. We're going to come bully you, right? No, he was completely scared. He's like, oh, they have a run defense? Oh, let's throw the ball. Let's do the sweep. We can't use any of our running backs because they're going to stop us. Good job, A-Rod. You suck and you lost us the game. This is a tough game. This is a tough game for sure. Let's move on from the game a little bit and talk about the season at large. Given the context of what happened in uh, in Shreveport, what do you think of the season? This is a tough subject because you can't overlook the fact that we went 6-1 versus P5s, 5-0 versus the Pac-12, which can we just talk about how bad the Pac-12 is for a second? Mm -hmm. They really need – they're the worst conference in the entire country. Yep, they're awful. Yeah, anyway, so I don't think you can look past that, but the fact that we lost to UAB in the Independence Bowl, that just, it, it kind of tarnishes the whole season for me. Ten and three teams get forgotten, right? Like, 
Nobody remembers the last 10-3 and three BYU team. Everybody thinks it's 2008, but it's not. It's 2011. Nobody even remembers who the quarterback was in 2011 because it was 10-3. and 10-3 and three doesn't matter. It's okay, it's good, but it's not memorable. And so that, I think that's how this team is going to go down. It's just another – it was like, oh, yeah, they were a good team, but didn't do anything. They, weren't, they didn't amount to anything. That's how, that's how I look at it. Yeah, honestly – like you said, you can't overlook the fact that we went six and one against P five, and that's the only time we've ever done that in our history as a program. Mm-hmm. We had a better year against the P five than we ever have. With that being said, losing the UAB really does tarnish it, because it's okay. At the end of the year, when you're supposed to be playing your best, when everybody's imp- improved, because most of your P five wins came in the in like the early portion of the season. Right, right. Of them came in the early portion of the season where we had Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, all back-to-back-to-back. Now, at the end of the season, what do you do? You lose to a G5 team that's had enough time to develop and grow. What the heck is up with that? Like you said, 10-3 and teams get forgotten. I think this team will be seen. It will be remembered as a building block. It will not be remembered as a great team, but a building year to get us better for the next year. Hopefully, you know, we're stuck in that continual mindset that we'll be better next year, but it's building us towards the big 12. We got a good recruiting class, a better recruiting class than we've had in the past. And now hopefully next year, we'll see the, we'll see the fruits. We can get another good recruiting class. And once we enter into the big 12, be competitive. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that because I think the season will largely be remembered. Like the main storyline will be BYU got into the big 12, right? Sure. That's that's going to be the storyline. And I think, though, the momentum that we could have gained by winning 11 games, getting ranked in the top 10 in consecutive seasons, that momentum would have been huge. But like you said, this is still a good building block moving forward. It's maybe not the light speed jump, you know, prep for the Big 12 we would have liked, but it's still, overall, it's a good step in the right direction. And when it comes down to it, all it takes is a sunny day against Boise, and maybe we would have been in a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, yeah. And and I guarantee you, I know people will see like, oh, I'm so glad we didn't go to a New Year's Six game. BYU plays to the level of its competition. If it BYU is in a New Year's Six Bowl, it would have been a three-point game also, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The fact that we're playing in the UAB, we go down to their level. I hate it, but it's true. I don't know why BYU does it. I don't know if it's like a mindset thing, a culture thing, where they just don't want to blow out teams. but. I mean, last year they blew out teams because they had to, because that's all they had. All they had were style points against these bad teams. Maybe this right. year they thought, okay, we have six P five, we have six P five wins. That's enough. We don't need to blow out these teams. We just need to win. When I, I don't think that's a mindset that will get you like Nick Saban esque success. I'm not saying that BYU is ever going to become like Bama is, but I'm saying in order to succeed at the highest level of college football, you have to have some swagger in your step, and you have to say, you know what, I'm better than you. I'm going to prove it. Right, right. And you, you think about it, like, what is, what's Kalani's, um, like, what are his goals, right? His goals are to beat his rivals and to just be a good team. Like, I don't think he's hoping and praying to make a national championship game. I think he'd love to go to a New Year's Six game and win that, right? But mm-hmm. like you said, in order to achieve that, in order to really be one of the top ten teams in the nation – you need to have that mindset of I'm better than you and I'm going to prove it by beating you by 20. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been in the BYU football facility since earlier this year when I, uh, and when I walked on, when I tried to walk onto the team and I can tell you national championship was not on their goal list on the goals that were posted all over the place. 
like the culminating goal, like the like all encompassing goal was reach a new year six. Didn't even say win a new year six. It said reach a new year six. That's the goal, which I get it. You know, you're an independent team. It's going to be hard. Obviously, it's 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 very difficult to make a national championship game. It's very difficult to make the college football playoff. But that should at least be a goal. Yeah, and I think on uh, on our way to the New Year Six, uh, last year was good. This mm-hmm. year was better. You know, like I there is progress, right? There is top fifteen there team last progress. year. Top fifteen, we were one game out of a New Year Six game, right? Because like even if we had beaten Coastal Carolina, there's no guarantee we would have gone to New Year Six last year. Mm-hmm. Whereas this year, we definitely would have been in New Year Six if we'd have beaten Boise State. Mm-hmm. So there's there's progress and that's good. That that's positive. Looking forward into the future. Look yep. at us being positive. Look at that. And that is the end of BYU football talk for the rest of at least regular season football talk. We'll be talking recruiting. We'll be talking next year. We'll be talking all kinds of stuff. We'll be talking all kinds of football news. But that's the conclusion of the BYU 2021 football season. That's sad. Yeah. But hey, we got basketball. And we got bowl games. We got bowl games right now. Let's talk about yes. that. Let's talk about some of the crazy stuff that's been going on outside of the Independence Bowl. All right. So I love bowl season. I think my favorite thing so far has been Utah State, who looked like an absolute just bowling ball train, yep. like a train full of bowling balls and farmers and their cattle. And it just <laughs> drove right through that beaver dam as hard as it could. That was amazing. I th- Utah State now has beaten Utah as well. So Utah is officially the worst football team in the state of Utah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Utah State beat Oregon State. Oregon State beat Utah. Therefore, Utah State beat Utah. It's that simple. Utah is too scared to play Utah State, so that's the only way we can determine it. <laughs> yep. And they still lost to him. <laughs> it has been a very crazy bull. Shout out to Jackson State. All the hype. They got the number one recruit. They're just, you know, the biggest name on the block. Then they go and play in a bowl game against, what is it, South Carolina State? Yep. And get absolutely walloped. Get absolutely, <laughs> their butts were handed them on a silver platter. A poor little, <laughs> poor little primetime, poor little Megatron. What do you have to do? He had to ride his little scooter all the way up to the buffet just to get his own booty handed to him on a silver platter. <laughs> that was absolutely hilarious. I love just like, Everybody's like talking about Jackson State. There's all this hype about it. And then what happens? They lose by 40. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a tough week, you know, press-wise for uh, for Jackson State. Shout-out to their linebacker, Abdul Malik McClain, who uh, just got arrested for defrauding the government out of $227,736 worth of fraudulent unemployment claims. Nice. Gang of buddies that were at USC. And then he, you know, transferred to Jackson State. I don't know if he continued it there or if it ended when he was at a USC. But yeah, two hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars worth. And he tried to defraud the government out of nine hundred and three thousand dollars worth. Only got two hundred twenty-seven thousand. Now he's on. He's in jail and on trial. Well, I'd say the Jackson State program is on track. I I don't know where that track is headed, but it is on a track. It's on track. Mm-hmm. Uh, school Coastal Carolina, yep. uh, NIU absolutely got jobbed on yeah, that last did. possession. That was horrible. That the was ref terrible. just stood over the center and like let the time run down and then let him snap the ball. So dumb. 
clock should have started on the referee's whistle. It was a weird yep. thing where was that even a catch? <laughs> no, you, you don't know. That, that's also they didn't review it, but they ruled it a catch. So that's all, all the context. You they ruled it a catch. It was a first down. So the first down, the clock does not start until the referee blows the whistle and yep. not like the side judge or anything. The chains get set, referee blows the whistle. But for whatever reason, the side judge like rolled his hand very like timidly, like saying like clock roll, like, you know, like start the clock. But the center judge was still standing over the ball. So the center could not snap the ball. The referee had not yet blown the whistle to start the clock. Clock ran out before they could even snap the ball. That is absolutely ridiculous. They got hosed. They had time to spike the ball too if they wanted. There was two seconds on the clock. A little, yep. little spike. All that takes is 1.5 seconds. You have at least half a second on the clock to do what you need to do. Absolutely. Yeah. That was super dumb. Like it says in our intro, that line judge is in his pocket, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, shout out to Old Dominion for taking it 100 yards to the house on the opening kickoff of their bowl game against Tulsa. So that was pretty fun. That was awesome. That was actually really cool. That was Old Dominion's second bowl game in program history. Mm. If you're, if people are out there saying there's too many bowls and they don't matter, you go ask those Old Dominion players if it mattered for them to go play in the second bowl game in program history. It means the world to these kids. Bowl mm. season is the absolute best. Exactly. There are only two teams in the FBS that have never, ever, ever won a bowl game or even made a bowl game or won a bowl game. I'm not sure what the set is. I think it's made a bowl game. Do you know what those two schools are? Uh, one of them is UMass. Oh, understandable. Right. The other, Texas State. Texas State. Interesting. The Bobcats. They are another program that has never made a bowl game. Uh, I'm going to put Texas State on bowl watch next year. Okay, yeah. You heard it here first. Texas State is making their first bowl game in program history next year in 2022. It's going to be a yep. crazy year. Yes, it is. Now, talking of craziness, okay, so we're watching the Idaho, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl right now, and the Wyoming guy, quarterback, just pulled it on third and two for like a 50-yard touchdown run. Um, anyway, this has the one of the most all-time uniform matchups. Now, Justin, do you remember what you said about Wyoming in the last podcast? Or yeah, in our bowl season preview. They look like pee and poop. Exactly, exactly. So, just to confirm <laughs> what you said about this bowl game, it is being played on blue turf. Okay. Which you could say is water. Toilet water, yeah. Yep. Kent State is wearing yellow on yellow on yellow. Look at more pee. Yep. And Wyoming is wearing brown on yellow. Pee and poop. <laughs> this is this is the toilet bowl. This is. Mm-hmm. The toy, I this is the greatest uniform matchup I've seen in 50 years of my 50 years here on earth. And get this Wyoming's wearing white helmets, you got the toilet paper sitting on top, too. It's, it's perfect, it's, it's perfect. perfect. <laughs> it's literally the toilet bowl, not because they're bad, but because they look like an actual toilet, exactly. And this game is <laughs> very exciting. I'm sure by the time you hear this, it'll be over, but yep. All-time uniform matchup. This is why we love bowl week. This is this is why we love bowl season. <laughs> There's nothing better than just these random uniforms to get pulled out, these random bowls and these random stadiums. Oh, my goodness. It's so good. <laughs> well, what do you say we move on to a happier subject? Let's talk about our BYU basketball team. Yeah, they actually have been showing up lately, which I've 
you know, low-key been surprised by, but mm-hmm. they won by 18 against Weber State the other day. At Weber Very State. positive. Very. Weber State is not a bad team. With that loss, they fell to 9-3. and BYU advanced to 10-2. and We had the same record. We were both 9-2 um, and two at the time. Wow. And it ends up being a quad two win. That's impressive. I I like that. That's quad two. Quad two win. I never would have guessed that. Um, but it kind of lightened the low, the blow that BYU Sports took on Saturday. Uh, also, shout out to the women's basketball team who befuddled Washington State. That was pretty mm-hmm. good. Yep. Um, BYU seemed like it was really hot from three this game, especially Alex Barcelo. Yeah. At the end of the day, we shot 16 of 26 from the three-point line, 61.5% from That's the three-point line. That is way better than we have been shooting. We're finally starting to find our stroke from down deep. It's awesome. It was really good. And Seneca Knight, well, Alex Barcelo, he led the way with 23, but Seneca Knight also had 14 points and hit a couple of those threes in the first half. Mm-hmm. Spencer Johnson ended up with 13, and Trevin Nell, who's starting to find his stride a little bit, Ended up with 11. Now, for everyone out there, let's talk a little bit about Seneca Knight. Seneca Knight right now is playing forward for a team. He's playing kind of like a small forward role. He was brought in to like be a scorer, to be a good player, to be good right. on offense. But he struggled. And some people have said, like, yo, like, what's going on with Seneca Knight? Like, is he not happy? Or, like, is he, what's going on with him here? He's playing a brand-new position that he's never played before. His whole entire life, he has trained to be a guard. He played guard at San Jose State where he was just absolutely tearing it up. He is out of his rhythm, but it seems like that he is finally coming back and realizing that, okay, I can still shoot the three from a small forward position. He's playing really good defense. He's finding his stride. Seneca Knight is going to be a pivotal, a pivotal part of our team moving forward. The kid is good. Had 14 points against Weber State. Those are absolutely crucial. Yeah, I, I love Seneca Knight. I think he's got... He's got the intangible. He's got the it factor, mm-hmm. you know, and I think he's going to be great moving forward. Like you said, uh, another guy that is going to be great moving forward who is very back is Caleb Lohner. Now, when we say <laughs> back, we don't mean back as in back to shooting the three ball well. We mean back to bricking his only three-point attempt. Only took one three. It was a brick. It, was, it wasn't. I will say, like, it did hit the back iron at least. It hit iron. So that is better than he's done in the past. How about the Caleb Loner for that? Um, <laughs> I will say one good thing about this game. We won. It's a quad to win. Great. Here's the thing. Tejon Lucas only had eight points in this game. He did not play super great offensively. And it's been in the past, like these past 10 games, that we needed Alex Barcelo and Tejon Lucas to play well for us to score. Yeah. Alex Barcelo played well. Tejon Lucas did not score. He was able to be an assist man, which is what he wants to be more of. He likes running the offense and passing the ball, getting those assists. Because the rest of our team was scoring, and we scored 89 points without him scoring in double digits. That's that really is a great impressive. sign. Yeah, yeah, very impressive. And Caleb Loner, we have to have to give him a little credit, right? He went three of four from the free throw line, mm-hmm. eight vastly rebounds. improved, and eight rebounds and nine points. Like, I. I feel like some people think that we hate Caleb Bloner or that we think he's a bad player. No, he just sucks at shooting three-point shooters. He should never be allowed to shoot another three-point shooter, three-point shot in his life. However, he's still a good basketball player. He rebounds like, like it's the last melon on earth, kind of like Sid 
in the Ice Age when he runs through all With the Kyoto birds. That is Caleb Lohner going for rebounds. Let's tell a story, Jared. Okay. Here at the uh, Royal Strong and True podcast, we've had some very strong feelings about players on BYU basketball in the past. Yes. One of those players was Zach Selyus. <laughs> at the beginning of the year, we hated Zach Selyus. This was in Absolutely. 2019. Absolutely hated him. 2019 going into 2020. <laughs> he was... He was missing threes. He was breaking shots. He was had his weird haircut. He was terrible. He had his mustache and dad bod. Uh-huh. We were just making fun of him the entire time, saying, get on the bench. But then he, he was such a hustle player that he kind of just won us over. And we were the biggest Zach Selyus supporters at the end of the year. Nobody was a bigger Zach Selyus fan than the Royal Strong and True podcast. Mm-hmm. The exact same thing happened with Colby Lee. <laughs> we hated Colby Lee at the start. But then we fell in love with this weird little teardrop thing. You did not find a bigger <laughs> fan at BYU of Colby Lee than the Royal Strong and True podcast. We had two posters of Colby Lee hanging in our apartment. Two. Yeah. <laughs> and Caleb Lohner is kind of fitting the vibe, right? Yep, he's definitely fitting the vibe. <laughs> Funky hair. Hustle yep. player. Hustle player that can't shoot worth beans. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I'm, it's amazing. Frijoles. Anyway, BYU is going to play USF now in the first round of the Diamond Head Classic in Hawaii, I believe, right? Yes, in Hawaii. December 22nd, which is Wednesday night at 7.30 Mountain on ESPNU. Mm-hmm. This Christmas season, if you get bored, BYU basketball plays on the 22nd, the 23rd, and Christmas Day on the 25th. So that's going Perfect. to be very interesting. Kind of sucks that they have to play on the 25th on Christmas and they can't be with their families, but hey, at least they get to be in Hawaii, you know. I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure they're probably the families are I'm probably sure up in Hawaii and yeah, are you know, are able to, to to spend some time with them. Now let's talk about a Southern Florida preview. What do you think about the Bulls? Uh well, they're not like amazing. They're four and five, which is somehow good enough to be second in the American conference. Yeah, which I Scratched my head there. Um, all four wins are against like no name schools. Like I don't even know if these schools are Division One or Division Two or Division Eight, Five, Four, Three, Seven, but they seem to be a little bit frisky. They played close games against ranked opponents like Florida and Auburn, so they seem kind of like a team that sucks but is enough to make you sweat, which is bad for BYU. Yeah, that's very bad for BYU, who has a tendency to play down to its competition. Um, it looks like they're not the, – the only reason they're second in the American Athletic is because – do they have an American win? I, I don't think so. I don't know why. ESPN is acting strange. Uh, you know, the American actually does have some pretty good teams, namely Houston. Houston. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're, they're zero and zero in conference. But, so the only reason they're second – is because they're tied for second at zero and zero in conference play. <laughs> with everybody else. <laughs> with everybody else, except for UCF, who has one win. Well, um, they better uh, screenshot that and yes. send that to mom and dad. because Hang a banner. Hang yep, a banner. Hang a banner. <laughs> Man, okay, so they, they're not a terrible team, but they're not a good team. They have a really low net ranking. It would be a quad four win for us. Not a very high-scoring team. They do have a seven-footer, which we have struggled with. 
Where, name is Russell Teshwa from Cameron or Cameroon. Uh, not great. He averages six points and six rebounds. But, you know, like you said, it's, it's a frisky team. It's a neutral court. In Hawaii, hopefully our guys don't get sun, po- sun poisoning the day before or something like that. Hopefully they haven't had any contact whatsoever with the football team. Yeah, that, that would be ideal. <laughs> this <laughs> Which... is going to be a weird game. I, I hope they play well. It can be weird playing in, like, Christmas tournaments. I played in Christmas yeah. tournaments in high school, and they were always weird. You know, this is college, so it's a little different, but, you know, I'll be, I'll be there. I'll be supporting my team. I'll be watching from afar. Hopefully we can get the dub and move on to the second round in which we would play either Vanderbilt or Hawaii. Another just two fantastic quad four games for <laughs> us. Amazing. Uh, I just, I'm a little worried about this game just because I know BYU – could lose to this team. Will we? Very low probability. I actually like what the BPI gives us. It gives us 88% chance to win. I'd say that's about accurate. I just worry because BYU has the ability to lose to this team. And if we have a quad four loss, could you imagine? Like, that's horrible. Yeah, that horrible. would be awful. That would so, be absolutely awful. I would not like that at all. Yeah. Uh, so, speaking about the Diamond Head Classic, the other teams that are in it on the other side of the bracket that we would end up playing further down the line, Stanford and Wyoming, Liberty, UNI. Uh, I think UNI is the best team. Probably Liberty, the Liberty's been a tournament team two years straight. Oh, that's true. That's true. Liberty's been a tournament team. Stanford's in. And then you got Wyoming, the walking poopsicles. No, why? Yep. <laughs> Which, by the way, they just scored, took the lead. This game is insane. Uh-oh. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to watch the Diamond Head Classic. I'm glad that, you know, you can get your bowl games in the daytime and then settle down, watch BYU basketball at night, enjoy Christmas, get super fat. If you're me, it's going to be great. Yeah, you know, Jared, don't, don't think you're the only one. We're all going to be getting fat. Remember, uh, holiday season is bulking season. Mm. We're not trying to cut. We're not trying to get thin. We're trying to get as much calories in us as, in, in us as possible so we can gain that muscle. Come summertime, cut it all down. Yep, that's, that's great. It's like a giant sine wave. Exactly. It just goes through the, through the seasons of our lives. It's beautiful. Up and down. Up and down. Exactly. Just like BYU football. Up and down. Right now we're in the down part. Yeah, unfortunately, we ended on a down. So maybe that means we'll start on an up. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, quick little preview to BYU's schedule next year. Um, so BYU has, I don't know if I'd say a harder schedule, but they do have a very hard schedule next year. They don't have yeah. quite as many uh, teams, quite as many like Power 5 teams on it but we have a lot of good teams. For example, we start out the season at USF. That's a crazy game. Uh, then we come home, we play Baylor, we go to Oregon, and then we have Lavelle, or no, <laughs> we have Lavelle. Arkansas at, in Provo later in the season. We go to Boise, we go to Liberty, and we play in Allegiant Stadium against Notre Dame. So it's a pretty tough schedule. So oh, yeah. I'm excited. Really I'm really excited for the Arkansas game at home. That's going to be a fun one. The SEC coming to Provo. Could you imagine? Mm-hmm. 
talking about uh, schedules and everything, looking forward a little bit at the WCC, uh, San Francisco was one of the teams that was had been undefeated the entire year. They did take their first loss of the season in a very yes. weird game where nobody could score a one-point loss to Grand Canyon University. Then they, come, then they went out and beat Arizona State the next game. So I think they're actually pretty good. I... San Francisco is a good team. They're frisky. Not everyone's talking about Gonzaga right now because, you know, they, they've lost two games. They've lost now to Duke and to Alabama. But then they beat the, 25, the number 25 team in the nation, Texas Tech, by almost 20 points. So wow. They are, still an, they are still an elite team. They're going to be very good. They're number four in the nation. Even though they might not be, you know, that perennial number one, it's still going to be crazy when they end up at the Marriott Center. Yep. And just a last last word. Um, there are four teams from the West Coast Conference in the top 50. Well, St. Mary's is 51, but that's very impressive. Like, yeah, that's awesome. And then, and then you have Santa Clara, who is at 100. So there are five teams in the top 100 of the WCC, which – that's very impressive for the West Coast Conference. I mean, usually it's just BYU, Gonzaga, and St. Mary's, but now we got Santa Clara and uh, in San Francisco that are making their way up there. Yeah, you know, if the WCC can stick this out, we could very well end up becoming not only a three-bid conference, but a four-bid conference. Could you imagine? And that's insane. St. That Mary's 10-3, and three, us 9-2, and two, or I, I think we're 10-2. and two. I don't know why it's saying that. Uh, Gonzaga 10 and 2, San Francisco 11 and 1. Mm-hmm. Quick note all four of those teams, St. Mary's, BYU, Gonzaga, San Francisco, all undefeated at home. So something's got to Interesting. Bust. I'm very excited for West Coast Conference play. Can't wait to heckle uh, Mark Few about his DUI <laughs> when he comes to the Provo. It's going to be great. Heckle Randy Bennett, the literal oh, like, personification of the devil. Yep. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Royal Strong and True podcast. This is us signing off. We want to encourage you one more time to take a look at our social media pages at Loyal to Royal Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We'll be posting a lot of memes, a lot of updates, a lot of fun stuff. We'll be posting a meme for every uh, Diamond Head Classic game. So be on the lookout for that. Make sure to share this episode with your friend if you enjoyed it. Let us know what you think. DM us on Instagram or on Twitter. Let us know. Banter with us. We love you guys. We love this little community that we have. Let's keep it growing. Thanks, guys.